Hello, welcome back to the Biscuits and Brews podcast. On this week's episode, we're going back to our school days and reminiscing of the moments we have of school life and each other. Trust me, there are plenty of embarrassing tales on the way, as well as this we're discussing the latest news, including the Harry and Meghan saga and having our typical football discussion. So boil that kettle, boil that brew and whack out the biscuit barrel. So welcome back, lads. Episode two. How's your week been, Connor? Uh, not not been a bad week too far. I've been in school this week again, um, preparing for the the kids to come back from Monday. So that's been uh, exciting. It's going to be nice to actually have children back in the classrooms again, and from from my perspective anyway, actually getting to do practical drama again. So that's going to be really good. And then I suppose from a uh, a football perspective it's been a positive week for Chelsea great result on Thursday night um give a little shout out to any Liverpool fans out there hope you're hope you're all keeping well and not 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 too upset about your results recently you know keep going you know it might be your year again in 30 years who knows um how's your week been Luke uh probably just the same old really working Monday to Friday and then uh weekends just seem to blend into one really not much to do as we know Josh, anything exciting in your life? To be fair, I had a bit of a boring start to the week, just on online lectures and stuff. And then uh, last day or so, it's got very entertaining. I actually went out of the house, which is a bit of a novelty. And I went to the GP surgery and I uh, went and got my vaccine. So, yeah. That's some good news. That's some good news. Great news. news. And I had the... AstraZeneca one, unlike Mr. Macron um, in, in France. Uh, but, yeah, it was an entertaining experience. Uh, I've now protected and I've got some AstraZeneca in me. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a jab called entertaining. Well, you know, it gave you something to do. Because, let's be honest, what else is there <laughs> at the moment? <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for you, Josh. I don't want to wait for Josh, but I know a couple of people who have had the Oxford vaccine and they haven't felt great after it. So uh, just not to ruin it for you. To to be fair, though, I I haven't felt anything wrong with me. Although there is a lot of wrong with me anyway, so I probably wouldn't notice any difference. Uh, (laughs) We certainly wouldn't. Although I was getting a bit hot-headed today. I don't think that was the vaccine, no. I think that was uh, me just getting angry at football. But, yeah. More than likely. I think I'd be angry if I was an Arsenal supporter, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, getting that jab, it's a, it's a positive step, not just for you, but for, for so many other people in the country that are getting their vaccines now. And obviously we've got this this roadmap now, our almost roadmap to recovery, to get out of lockdown. And whilst, you know, we, we still have to be cautious and we still have to follow the rules, it is nice to finally get that sort of, light at the end of the tunnel moment you know we had that that first light sort of midway through the tunnel really was was the vaccines getting out and and starting to be to be given to people but now we've got this roadmap you know we have got things that we can start looking forward to again but obviously in the meantime we've got to keep following the rules doing what we should be doing at each stage and not getting to the point where the infection rates and the death rates are are going up again you know that's going to be the main thing now is is doing what we need to do in order so that June 21st comes along and we can all be sat on the floor of a nightclub spewing up into the middle of our trousers 
Well, that is usually just me. <laughs> no, sure she, you'll be there at karaoke. Oh, yes. June the 21st. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can have the Euros here. I'll just be magic. Mm. And then when we can actually get going to football games as well, that would be amazing. And yeah. There was positive news yesterday, though, from Mr Hancock. He did say that um, there's a breaking link between transmissions and death from COVID. So the vaccine looks like it's really working. So, yeah, this is looking really good and really positive. And then, obviously, mm. we have the budget which some people found quite controversial. Well, I think bu budgets always are, though, aren't they? Because, um, you know, you're always going to get a budget that is going to benefit some people more than most. And I think especially in the, the circumstances we find ourselves in at the moment, this has probably been one of the most difficult budgets, probably, I would imagine, since the war, um, in terms of where we distribute it. You know, do we give small amounts to lots of people or do we give large amounts to fewer people and I think that's obviously a, a difficult decision that's had to have been made but hopefully you know when in terms of when we can start socializing and stuff again I think the economy will see a, a big boom hopefully and and, uh, and things will start looking positive for people from a, a financial perspective as well as in an everyday perspective you know people have people have suffered massively you know I think it's you know there's not any there's no one that's not been affected by this which has been the really, really sad thing is that it's affected so many people in so many different ways. Um, and especially financial hardships certainly been one of those. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, let's hope this country can find its feet again economically because we really need to and get them pubs open and bars open and stuff. And I, I just can't wait going out for a meal with you lads where we can sit down, watch the football, have a pint together and just have a good old laugh and time together because you know we've had some great memories haven't we over the years oh 100 i mean we've not we've not been out for a meal now since was it august when we did the eat out to help out we went out that time was it that august was that yeah late august late august yeah oh no what i remember happened now so it was like september time wasn't it and um it was all august and we went out the first week after and there were some chains extending it but we went to one where we thought was extended it and then we got there ordered quite a lot <laughs> and then it turned out we didn't and then we uh, had to spend more than we wanted to yeah big news as well haven't we in the uh celebrity world i suppose of uh what's going on with uh harry and Meghan markle mm. it's certainly a, a very interesting situation um we're obviously recording this Saturday afternoon, we know that the Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah goes out in the US on Sunday and it's out in the UK on Monday evening. So when this, when you're listening to this podcast, I think um, that episode will be about to air on, um, on British television, which I think will be um, certainly uh, an in-depth insight into Harry and Meghan's views on, on the royal family and, and, and I, I guess they're their feelings and, and, and their thoughts and opinions on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have some quite strongish opinions on it. As you can well, what, what, are, what are your opinions on it, Josh? What, what do you make of this whole saga? Well, one, I think Meghan knew what she was marrying into when she first married. Two, 
I thought they went over to America to get away from the British press because obviously they were unhappy and there were some rather annoying headlines about them and I can understand that. But then getting back in the public sphere again and I think Megan wants a voice on a lot of things but when you marry into the royal family you have to realise you can't. You've got to be apolitical. You you can't get involved in certain issues. And I think she needed to realise that, especially when you're marrying the, you know, son of the next in line to the throne. And I think she didn't fully realise that. And I'm not happy that the interview's being brought out either when Prince Philip's in hospital still. Um, but I, yeah, but I don't think I don't think they have control over when this is getting out. I don't think Harry and Meghan have said, "Oh yeah, let's send yeah, it out now." Whilst my, whilst my granddad's in hospital having his operation, they wouldn't have intended it to be come out now, would they? I don't think they would have seen it in that, that way. That is true. That is true. But I, I I do think a lot of the situation has been blown up by certain people. Because... I think the situation has been blown up by the media. I don't know whether it's actually certain people, but for me, I think it's the the British media. And I think this has been proved not just in the last sort of year throughout this COVID crisis, but you only have to look back to just over a year ago when Caroline Flack committed suicide and the British press are then releasing things, telling people to be kind for one or two days. And after that, it's straight to bashing people on the front pages again. Um, you then look back to the treatment Princess Diana had when she became part of the royal family. And again, she knew what she was marrying into. She knew the institution she was marrying into. But I don't think you can ever expect to have your life intruded and invaded by the press. And so horrifically as well, I think some of the headlines and some of the ways that news anchors and reporters are going about telling this story you know really making out Megan to be this wicked witch of the west Megan Megan might not be the most pleasant of person you know we know at the moment there are currently investigations ongoing about whether she bullied um, her staff that were part of her royal household so we know those investigations are going on currently but Megan has been bashed in the media much more than Prince Andrew has and in my opinion the accusations against Prince Andrew are much more severe, much more serious and need investigating much more than Meghan and Harry's life over in America. And I think they went over there, not, not necessarily to escape the press, but to have more freedom from the press. Because I think if they'd have stayed over here, they would have been invaded and intruded upon so frequently by the media that if they move away from that family, they're able to then only sort of be in the media when they want to raise something in the media. So when they announced they were pregnant with their, their second child, when Meghan stands up on certain political issues or Harry talks about certain political issues that they are associated with, they then have that choice rather than constantly being followed and hounded by the media. Yeah, but on going back to that point, though, about raising political issues, she, she was unhappy because she couldn't. But that's not what the royal family's for. It's meant to be apolitical. It's meant to be you're not going to get involved. You're meant to be, you know, symbols of an apolitical nature. You're meant to mean and represent something other than that. I understand for them wanting to leave in, in some respects, but I, what I don't understand is I, I think they're going to expect a backlash. If you say you're going over to America 
to get away from the British press. And then you have an interview of Oprah Winfrey, one of the biggest interviewers known around the world. Not the British press. Yeah, but then if you want to get away from the press entirely, the Americans... They didn't say they wanted to get away from the press entirely. They didn't say they wanted no press. I think they wanted to escape the pressures that they feel they are under from, especially the British press. And we know how much the British press manipulate things. You know, you only have to look back to the Hillsborough disaster and the stuff The Sun wrote about the victims of that to know that the media in this country can be absolutely disgusting. Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. And I think especially with Harry now being pushed further down the standard in regards to being heir to the throne, it is obviously very unlikely that he will become the king of this country. And so with a young child already and another one on the way, I 100% do not blame them for wanting to step away from the pressures of that slightly and, and that press invasion. I mean, you know, as I've mentioned before about Diana, there was that occasion when Diana had gone away on holiday with Harry and William when they were, when they were just kids. And the press went there and were trying to take photos of her sunbathing and was, I think, was she on a boat or something at some point? They tried getting pictures of her from there, like from afar. And I just think, you know, yes, they are in this institutional family that are the monarchy of this country, but that does not give any justification as to why they should not be able to lead some of their life in private. We know a lot is kept private, but I don't feel like there should be this constant focus and this constant, you know, every day at the moment, there's another front page newspaper storyline about Meghan and Harry and, and how this is, you know, such a, an awful situation. And, you know, the Queen needs to take all of their roles and responsibilities off them. You know, how dare they? They're causing us so much stress when her husband's ill in hospital. Like I said before, surely the Prince Andrew saga has caused much more stress to her and her family than this has. Well, you're probably right. And um, the one thing I do, though, think that I'm not sure it is Queen and Philip that are the problem. Like, when I watched the James Corden thing on, what do you call it? Um, the late, 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 late show. show. Yeah, with James Corden. And they were, they constantly kept in touch. They apparently have Zoom meetings with each other. And I'm not sure it's necessarily like the Queen and the, the more close related things, but I think it's more the people behind the scenes that may be the problems like um like for example when you watch the crown it's oh, let's it, be honest. that got brought up on the late late show didn't it? the crown Borden did ask about that and harry didn't deny about some of it being not true he just seemed to yeah he, he said it was loosely based on fact and he? he said it is fiction but it is loosely based on the facts which i mean can be interpreted as a variety of different things. We don't know how much of the crown has been sort of produced in order to create well, drama. But I, I like the crown and I do watch it, but it is there are historical, major historical timeline errors um, that kind of annoyed me as a student of history and politics, um, especially relating to Margaret Thatcher and stuff like that. But it is a historical drama at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, loosely based on truth. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a documentary. It's not as if they're purposely reporting and trying to tell these stories in terms of reporting. You know, the, this is a, a dramatisation of accounts that they must have from 
people who used to work, you know, in, in you know, the typical inside sources. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it will definitely be interesting, won't it, to see what he said in this in this interview and to hear um, to hear their perspective um, on on the situation. I think that will definitely be um, be an interesting thing to to see and hear. But talking of interesting things to see and hear, um, we have our results from our biscuit poll from last week's episode, boys. Um, so uh, we put out on our on our story on our Instagram the other day, um, and we just want to thank everybody that, that got back to us with their, with their votes for who had the best biscuits from last week. And I can tell you, in third place was Josh with the rich tea. People not a fan of the rich tea, Josh. I know cardboard biscuit. Someone... I swear it got called. Yeah, someone called it cardboard, as Luke said. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I mean, I feel like. I feel like they had a very valid point. I think uh, in second being, place. I think they're being <laughs> very harsh, actually. You know, maybe a bit bog standard, but it's a sturdy biscuit that tastes nice when you drink it in tea. But anyway. Uh, not if you don't for too long. I've made that mistake many a times and had a bit of a rich tea floating at the bottom. Not pleasant. Um, in second place, we had Luke with the shortbread. Solid show in there. Decent effort, decent effort. There, I think there was a lot. There were a lot of positives for the shortbread. Actually, a lot of people were fans of the shortbread, but it was pipped by me and the Maryland chocolate chip cookie. So I am the winner of the week one biscuit. I am absolutely delighted. Um, I just like but to can thank. I, um, can I state here that you've picked a brand? You've gone Maryland chocolate chip cookie. You've gone brand there. If we're going on brands, if it was a Morrison's chocolate chip cookie, I don't think you would have stood any chance at all. Well, I mean, I, I quite like a home brand chocolate chip cookies, but I do find Maryland chocolate chip, choc chip cookies do have more chocolate chips in. One thing I will say, though, is they're not the most ideal biscuits for dunking, are they, though, your two? They're out, nice to have on their own. Like, you wouldn't dunk a shortbread, really, in tea, because hey. there's a lot of crumbs coming off both of them. So I, I think I've been... There's a lot of crumbs coming off a chocolate chip cookie. They are... They're not, no. they're, not, they're not. Yeah, they are. You're not buying Maryland ones, then. You're on the cheap own brand ones. Well, what about Maryland? <laughs> right. So, in terms of this week, then we're going to start with my biscuit this week, as I am the winner of last week, and I genuinely think the biscuit I've got this week could win the top spot again. Now, the biscuit I've gone for this week um, is a bit of a treat in my house, actually. Because if we ever have these biscuits in in my house, they usually go very, very quickly because yes, they are fairly small but they are absolutely scrumptiously delicious. So this week I have gone for the Fox's Jam and Cream. So, you know, the little round ones with the jam and cream in the middle and the sprinkling of sugar on the jam. Beautiful biscuit. Um, so I, I that is my that biscuit a, of that, choice. That's not, that's not a dun dunking biscuit. You couldn't dunk that though, could you? Oh, I do could dunk you? it. You do I not. absolutely do dunk it. It's not a solid dunking biscuit, that one. No, no, I mean, it, it's. I, I find it okay for dunking, and I find it tastes much nicer when you have dunked it. But Next obviously, thing, you know, that, that's a matter of opinion. Next thing you'd be saying, you dunk Jaffa cakes. Oh, don't bring that dirty word onto a biscuits podcast. Oh, Jaffa cakes are cakes, and if you think otherwise, you're wrong. Anyway, we'll see what you two have got later on in the episode. 
So, guys, some of you may be wondering why this episode is called Baking the Perfect Brewmance. Well, we want to take a trip down memory lane and look at the best days of our lives, as some people say, which is when you're at school and growing up together, and how our bromance between the three of us has developed. Um, so it started for a slot really well back in nursery where me and Luke first met at primary school. Isn't that right, Luke? Yep. Race C of E primary school. What a place. What a place indeed. And uh, yeah, uh, we had some interesting memories. To be fair, I can't remember that much, but I do remember me and another mate of mine having to be broken up from fighting each other by Luke. Uh, he was very good at that. Um, but he was also a bit of a troublemaker in his, uh, as well. And uh, what was the nickname you got renowned with by the head teacher, Luke? Uh, the troublemaker of Priest. And, and the thing is, he's not even from Priest, so it, it didn't really make any sense. It, no, it didn't, but, you know, Priest theory, primary school, Mr. Farby. Or as my nan used to call him, Mr. Tarby. Mr. Tarby, yeah. Mr. Mr. Tarby. <laughs> I remember him. And also, um, I also remember going round to your house uh, one time and you had some mates and uh, the wreck behind your house, we went and played football and we had a massive Barney with them as well. It introduced you to my friends in Whitchurch and you made me fall out with them all. Oh, <laughs> I it, it was unbelievable. Let me guess, it was his political views again causing differences. At the age of seven. At the age of seven, <laughs> probably. I probably did have strong views then as well. <laughs> I love a good argument, mate. Um, <laughs> but then... I think the memory I can remember from your house from the early age, I don't know where we were, I think we were upstairs at your house, and then you shouting downstairs to your parents that you would have uh, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you? We've got, we've got to bring these memories up, Josh. They all come. Gotta let people know. So when we say embarrassing tales, are they just going to be embarrassing tales of me? Then is this what your episode? Oh, I've got about? a few crackers. I have got a few crackers. God, I've it. I I also remember though another story was we're playing football. And I live on a farm, so we have electric fences. And one day the ball went over the electric fence. So he's, one of my mates stopped up, stepped over and he uh, landed on his nether regions with the electric fence. So Ooh. not very nice. Oh, tingle on the tackle. Not pleasant at all. But then uh, I sadly ended up moving away from Priest Primary School. You left me after year four. I know. Halfway through year four, I left. And then I went to another school where I met this other cheeky chappy um, called Connor. You know what? I think that's the nicest thing you've called me in a long time. I'll take cheeky chappy. Well, I can be nice when I want to be, can't I? Yeah, you have your moments, I guess. But I remember the f first day at school, I didn't really speak to you that much because obviously I was just getting used to the place. But yeah. one of the people showing me around, he asked me for a race. And then I had to politely say, sorry, I can't race, I can't run. And he didn't fully understand. But that was quite an entertaining experience. <laughs> we used to have races back in the day at Priest Josh. We used to yeah. run halfway down the bank to your car. That's true. I used to come last. Um, but yeah, we, we did. Just like you do with your choice of biscuits. 
Oh, thank you, thank you. Ah. I like my football team as well at the moment. Well, yeah. Oh. Mm. Well, primary school was, uh, I mean, from what I can remember, there was some uh, some quite uh, quite funny moments. I remember one story in particular. It follows on quite nicely actually from the story that Luke told. But um, we um, we were away on a, <laughs> we were away on a three day residential. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't I can't tell this story without laughing. I need to try to propose to have I'm meant to be an actor. So we were away on a residential trip and we were about to go rock climbing. Now it wasn't actual rocks, it was a rock climbing wall. Indoor. And yeah, indoor rock climbing wall. And um we were we were getting ready to go on this wall and um people were getting harnessed up and everything. And Josh was a little bit worried about about climbing and, and about the heights and um he started telling us this story. So I said, oh, yeah. So once upon a time, there was a man who was really afraid of heights. But in order to get over his fear, he decided to climb a mountain. So we climbed up this mountain and he got to the top. And he was so proud of himself. And there was a few of us there like, Josh, what on earth are you going on about? And all of a sudden, he just freezes. He just stops talking. And we thought, is this, you know, dramatic tension within the story? He just completely <laughs> stopped. And he looked at us and he went, uh, Connor? I'm like, what? He goes, Mahanas is dripping. <laughs> he wet himself, but told me by the means of saying, my harness oh. is dripping. <laughs> and honestly, I think that there's definitely something I'll just never, ever forget for the rest of my life, because it was just so random that he was telling this story, but for him to then stop and just go, uh, my harness is dripping. So oh, I can I see that it. a lot lot of your favourite early memories of me is uh, toilet accidents, I see. <laughs> From you too. They seem to have a theme here, Josh. We do. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Where we all basically regrouped as friends was at secondary school, wasn't it? Well, sort of secondary school. It was like... I don't know. Connor and Luke knew each of each other, but weren't pally pally or anything. But it's quite I, I funny. I met you again at Sacristal. Yeah, and I had to. I, I was splitting my time between them. You know, had to split off. I I didn't really start speaking to you again to like year nine, really. No, it probably wasn't when we had when we started having PE together. And, uh, well, because the first, the first two, like, sort of two years that you do anyway, you're kept sort of in, in your forms, aren't you? And then you're kept on your half of the year, whichever half of the year. You yeah, because we, we're a different side of the year, which yeah. didn't really help anyway. So we won't go be together really. But then we then we met up again. But Luke Tors also liked to use me as an excuse not to go outside because I I eventually because I couldn't really walk that much. I didn't have to go outside for PE. So when it was freezing cold, Luke used to come with me to the indoor gym and he, he used to just do some exercise with me, you know. Well, you know. I mean, Luke, Luke had a valid excuse as well for a bit, though, didn't you? You did have yeah. a bit of a, a quite a nasty accident. Mm. Um, I, I did bang my head in year eight and it, I managed to wang my way out of PE for a good three years, rugby-wise. Honestly, that that was that was the one PE lesson I always wanted to try and find a way out of. Well, either rugby or swimming, because as some some listeners may know that, I, that I'm friends with, I really cannot swim very well. I am 
horrendously bad at swimming so I didn't want to go because I felt ashamed that I had to swim in the very very shallow end and so I just hated it I didn't want to go so swimming in rugby if I could find a way out then I'd I'd try and find one but I mean usually I couldn't and so I just sort of stand on the side in rugby and if the ball came to me as soon as I'd caught it I'd be throwing it on to the next person whether it was a forward pass or not that ball was going I was getting rid of that as soon as possible but I mean me and you Luke we you know, like Josh said, we knew of each other and we might have had like the odd conversation when we were sort of with Josh, but we didn't really get to know each other that well until probably, I mean, I think year 11 I spoke end, to you. End of year 11, end of year 11, I would say. Yeah. I, I knew of you, but we didn't really speak. We spoke yeah. a bit in year 10, a bit yeah. in year 11. At the end of year 11, it, it got a lot more. Then, but then college, the first year was, I think we first yeah. became proper good mates. Yeah, because I think was it was it the first year of college or was it year eleven when when we went? I know we mentioned it on on last week's podcast that that Port Vale away game it was my first away day with Shrewsbury apart from Wembley. And whenever that, that may have was, been, I think that may have been end of year eleven. But even then, it yeah. didn't, it didn't feel because I was with you in the away end. And I wouldn't yeah. say we were that good friends then. No, <laughs> no, time, we were, we were more of a. We You're more of a, a Josh friend, one of Josh's friends to me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like you say, and then, then college, obviously we went to the games more regularly and we were going with, with Josh, you know, the, the three of us. And now, I mean, now it's just incredibly weird that the three of us aren't at the football. I, every, I was saying now weekend. that I'm better friends with you than I am Josh. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's through choice more than anything, I would say. <laughs> I think you could be true. That's probably true. I don't blame you, Luke. <laughs> well, there's also another embarrassing memory of me. Um, and it was quite painful as well, as Connor will testify to. But I have this specially adapted van with this ramp lift thing for my wheelchair out the back. And uh, one day, Luke, uh, Connor was visiting me in my university accommodation. So I went and picked him up. We got back to the house. And I said, Connor... I'll let you go down on my ramp. And he's going, no, it's fine. It's fine. I went, no, Connor, you've got to go down it. You've got to try it. So he, he, I insisted and he did it. But it was on the floor. I then got in my wheelchair. And then I decided to reverse out of the van. And that was painful. The wheelchair ended up on its back. I fell out and whacked my head and really hurt my back. <laughs> Um, the wheelchair was stuck and we had a fun time and we had to get a, like three or four other blokes to help lift the chair up. Honestly, I mean, it, it really wasn't funny at the time, but looking back at it now, I, I can't help but laugh every single time because I, I really didn't want to go on this ramp. But he was so insistent, like, come on, come on, come on, come on, try the ramp out, try the ramp out. So I stood on this ramp while he bought me up and then he sent me back down. And then I went to his front door. I was unlocking the door, taking my bag in, and I just heard this almighty crash. And I turned around and he lay on the floor like some poor rabbit that's just been hit by a car. The wheelchair's on its back as well, like he says. And literally, like, two lads walked past and were helping me try and pick this wheelchair back up. And, I mean, that's a heavy piece of kit. And then, luckily, some bloke over the road, I mean, I feel ever so sorry for him because he'd just come back with his takeaway. He came over and helped us as well so we could get this chair back up. 
Josh managed to crawl in and put a bag of frozen peas on his head, but oh my word, what a palaver. But Luke, after that traumatic experience I put uh, Connor through, uh, I think we've got another story related to that, haven't we? Oh yes, the the uh, prank call incident when we uh, decided to trick Connor that you had fallen out your van for the second time. So we rang Connor up and we're on our way somewhere um, in the van. I have Bluetooth, by the way. Don't 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 use your phone and drive. This is on Bluetooth, by the way. And let's clarify this. This was at a time when, you know, long before COVID, when people long were allowed to COVID. meet up with other people. Long before this COVID. This was good, 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 like, 18 months ago. But Connor was on a night out and uh, we rang you up and then I, I sounded very teary. And I went, Connor... I've fallen out of the van again. And he was like, Josh, are you okay? Are you, are you all right? Um, right I'm, I'm just leaving the nightclub now so I can, so I can talk to you. And I was like, I'm, I'm on my own. I'm on my own. <laughs> and stuff like that. And this point, Connor's really panicking because like, oh, he's on his own. What do I do? Um, uh, Josh, I, I don't know what to do. And then me and Luke just started laughing our heads off. And at that point, he just... He slams the, pho- he slams the phone down. <laughs> He was, I was not absolutely livid. I was livid because I was out getting ready for karaoke. I just sat down with my big pitcher of dark fruits that I couldn't wait to get into. I'd had a long week, Friday night, karaoke night. I couldn't wait to get up on the stage, give it a bit of a song. And I get this phone call and he's telling me, I'm, I'm not anywhere near my house. I've got no one with me. I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm in Ormskirk and you're in Keel. Like, what, what, what can I do from here? And I'm thinking, you know, should I, should I call his parents? Do I call 999? But how do I explain that to them? And then I just hear Luke cracking up first. Then Josh starts. And honestly, I cannot tell you the rage that went through my head. Livid. Absolutely livid. We've got plenty of stories in Josh's van. I think at the time I went flying down the van. Oh, horrendous. Never, never On the way back from Stoke away. And I went, Josh has uh, to slam the brakes on as someone's pulled out in front and I've gone literally flying down the van and smashed against the dashboard. Somehow, I still... he didn't go through the window and I still don't know how he, how he went yeah. flying. No one knows. I still don't know how, how the seatbelt unlocked. like that Because that was... I mean, it, it was scary. I mean, we can laugh about it now. No. But blooming heck. At the time, because you literally went forward, hit the back of Josh's chair, came and, back. And I went again. I, I spun yeah. around and went again. And hit the dashboard. But at the time, I'd had too much to drink anyway. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just laying. I just looked back. I was laying on the back of, of the dash, just looking down the van at Connor like, all right, well... <laughs> Oh, I, I, I genuinely thought we were crashing. So I don't know how we didn't. But, and I'm so glad Luke was all right. But that was not a very entertaining experience. Oh. Now you can look back at it in with relief. But yeah. Oh, I t- I'll tell you another funny story that um, that Luke will hopefully remember. Um, we we both studied PE uh, in, in college, didn't we? And, oh, uh, is, this, is this the ball and socket? Yes, yes. So we were in a lesson and we were doing uh, we were doing yoga, and um, we we'd just been learning about the, the joints of the body and the muscles. And uh, the teacher says to 
um, one girl who uh, she was Italian, wasn't she? Yeah, I think she was Italian. She was Italian. And um, he said, OK, then. So um, what what joint have we got here? And he pointed to her elbow, didn't he? Or was it a yeah, shoulder? The elbow, the elbow joint. Pointed to her elbow. And he saw what, you know, what, 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 what's the scientific term for that? And she sort of looked around and we didn't know whether she knew or not. And I kid you not, the words she uttered out of her mouth were Bolsack. <laughs> no. But no one else had heard it except me and you. Me and you locked eye contact and oh. tried to not burst out laughing. But no one else had heard it in the room. Oh, my, I, I remember just bursting out laughing. And, and I think the, the teacher clocked on as well. And he looked at us, he said, hey, now, now, boys. And then I think everybody else clocked on to what she said, because I think everybody else thought it was ball socket, ball and socket. But her accent just made it sound slightly different to, to what they thought it would sound like. But I think she genuinely said ball sack. <laughs> it's, it's such a childish thing to laugh about. Like we were, what, 16, 17? 16, 17 year old lads laughing about ball sack. <laughs> We're 22 now and we still laugh about the fact this girl said ball sack instead of ball and socket. Oh, dear. Right, well, anyway, that has been lovely, reminiscing over our school times. Um, it would be great for our listeners to get in touch about what memories you've got from school. What do you remember about your school days? You know, I think one of the highlights for me from primary school was definitely the little puddings we used to have. So, if you can remember what, what puddings you had in primary school, let us know. And if you ever had a good biscuit, again, tell us. Talking of biscuits, we need to find out the next biscuit on this week's podcast. Obviously, we've already had mine. Mine is the Fox's Jam and Cream. But Josh, last week you had a rich tea. Have you moved up in the world this week? Tell us what biscuit you've got. Well, well I've stayed with the same round. I've stayed with McVitie's. But I've gone more upmarket this week and I've gone... For a chocolate digestive. Mm. Now, okay. I, 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 think we, I think we can all agree this could be a winner this week. You know, dinking it in your tea, having that melted chocolate on top, and then it all lovely, smooth, melted in your mouth, and oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? So that's what I've got. Well, for actually, it's, it's interesting you've done that because I was reading the other day about a, um, a survey that was done in Britain, which actually revealed that the chocolate digestive is the best love biscuit in Britain. Now that's Britain sort of as a whole. Is it going to be the same on this podcast? Is the chocolate digestive going to bag you the win this week? Are you confident in the digestive? I am, 100%. I mean, it, you've definitely gone up from a rich team. Would you agree, Luke? Yeah, definitely. You, you, from that cardboard biscuit, as one listener called it, it's a massive improvement. Definitely. I, yeah, I definitely think it's a big improvement. So we've got Fox's Jam and Cream. A McVitie's chocolate digestive. Luke, we're going to find out what your biscuit is later on in the episode. Right then, boys, let's talk football this week. Uh, this last week, football again has been big in the news, as we mentioned earlier, potentially hosting uh, Euro 2020, which is going to become Euro 2021. And we know Boris Johnson is sort of outlining plans that he'd like uh, the UK to host 2030 World Cup. So some interesting things um, coming in with football at the moment. Josh, from a, from an Arsenal perspective, how's the last week been for you? I was very happy last Sunday against Leicester. I thought we played magnificently. Our pressing game was brilliant. But 
I was I was very annoyed today. Um, obviously, we've just at the time recording, we've just drawn one one away at Burnley. I thought we should have won. Um, we had so many chances, goal line clearances, a penalty that under the current rules is a penalty um, that wasn't given, and then we had a, actually had a penalty awarded where it was rightly overturned. Um, so mixed emotions, really. Happy to be in the next round of the Europa League, though, as well. And happy with the Leicester performance, but a bit of a setback against Burnley would be how I sum up the moment. Entertaining game, though, I thought. I, I, I watched it and I thought it was really quite a, an entertaining game. I mean, there were good chances for both teams. I know Chris Wood had a couple of opportunities that he probably should have scored. And Arsenal had, you know, hit the post. You had that one deflected onto the bar and then the penalty... But, wasn't given. I know with the, the the other penalty shout against, I think that one was against Eric Peeps as well in the second half of that game. Um, there's you know there's been a few incidents this week with with the handball law, and we know that now from July is it that that's now changing? Yeah, because we had that interesting incident on Wednesday, wasn't it, or Thursday? What one of them two with Fulham, didn't we? And uh, yeah, the yeah the, the Fulham Josh... goal got disallowed. Yeah, their equaliser. Now, this is what I don't get right. Lamina's two yards away from the player. The ball gets booted at his hand when it's down by his side. It then bounces in the direction of the striker and they score. But then today, Peters' arms away, probably similar distance, maybe a tiny bit closer, but clearly away from his body. And it's not a foul. It's not a penalty. So I don't, I don't get it. I think the, I think they said during the game, wasn't it? The official like PGMOL statement that came out was because of the proximity, the distance between them. That's what saved him, and I think that's that's also what saved um, Kante in the the Chelsea Liverpool game on Thursday was that he was so close to Firmino and the ball, there wasn't an opportunity for him to move his hand out of the way. However. I thought his hands were in an unnatural position and I even I was sat watching the game with my brother and I said to him, I think that's a penalty and was very well, surprised it didn't get given. BT Sport referee Peter Walton said that... He's useless. That bloke is useless. No, he is useless, but he did make a good point where he says other ones this season have been given for less than that. And with the current rules, even with proximity, they're saying that should have been given a pen. Now... That's why I was more annoyed, is knowing that other teams have had them given. Ultimately, we shouldn't really have lost because Xhaka made a bad pass. It was bad playing out from the back from Arsenal. We dominated the first 35 minutes, really. Last last 5-10, we let Burnley get back into it and then give them a stupid goal. And then we put ourselves on the front foot. But we had a lot of shots as well cleared off the line. Like last minute, we had one cleared by Ben Mee, and then we hit the post. So it happens in football. We draw, we move on. This season, the Prem's worthless to us. We're not going to get in Europe. We only concentrate on Europa League, and that really sums up where I am as an Arsenal fan. But Connor, I know you're you're feeling quite positive about Chelsea, aren't you? Yeah, well, um, like Arsenal, four points in the last two games. The the nil nil, obviously, against Man United last last Sunday, um, which it was a game I felt we did we did enough to win. Uh, we had some some good chances in that, but they just didn't fall our way. Um, and then the the win over Liverpool Thursday night is is massive, you know, to move back into the top four 
and again, I, you know, I think I, I was gutted that we that we sacked Lampard, but the change of manager has proved to be the right decision. I think um, we look solid defensively. Great start from Thomas Tuchel. Great start. Absolutely, I, yeah. and I think the the confidence the players have got to play the ball out from the back is just been unbelievable. I mean, Liverpool play such an intense pressing game, and we were able to just move the ball past them on Thursday, you know, really well. There were a couple of times when we had the ball at the back and I was thinking, why are we passing that about there? Why have you made that pass? But we found a way out every time. We look pretty solid at the back. Um, we're not scoring many goals, which is, is a concern, but we aren't conceding them either. So, you know, that, that's think, definitely think, a huge positive. I think for the last couple last games for Chapel, we see a lot of 1-0 one nil, one nil results, I think, for, the, for yeah. the end of the season, I think. But yeah. I think going back to Liverpool's pressing game, though, I know what you mean by about, but I don't think they're the same pressing outfit they were last season for some reason. They just don't look as energetic and fit. Maybe that's because they've been playing this energetic football for like three and a half, four years. And now it's catching up with them. But they they don't look the same outfit. They don't look like the pressing team. Like I remember watching them last season against City at home and and the season before where they just go out and and it's just relentless but it doesn't look the same and also they're playing the high line which I don't think is helping them either um, well, they, they got caught out with time the injuries, time on Thursday they, yeah. we, we caught them out time after time with that high line it so. works when you have Van Dijk and Gomez but not when you don't have them <laughs> but how do you think Shrewsbury doing Luke? Last couple of results haven't been good, really. As 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 we're recording this, we've just lost against Fleetwood two 0 Not great, really. But uh, we should stay up, really. Mm. But as we should, we shouldn't should wish Steve Cottrell well. He's he's back in hospital again, which isn't good mm. to see. Yeah, we really do wish him well because um, when we last recorded episode one, he had he was still in hospital, but then he thankfully came out. But then, sadly, he's had to go back in. So, we just wish him all the best. And the players, actually, were wearing Get Well uh, Gaffer T-shirts at the start of the game. Um, so, we do wish him all the best. But he has done, until recently, a very good job at Shrewsbury, hasn't he, though? Yeah, turned us round. From the team to which he inherited, they're looking a completely different outfit now. Yeah. Good and even though we have... Stay up. Yeah. And even though we've lost the last few results, I don't think it's too much worry because we're not going to get in the playoffs, are we? And we're not going to get relegated. So it's just a bit of a meh. Yeah, I, I think if he if he'd started with these results, we'd have been we'd have been in serious trouble. But the fact he went on that, you know, we had that really good run of form, and you know now we've hit a couple of bumps in the road. You know, there's there's still plenty of time left in the season for us to keep moving further up the table. I think we're currently. With the result today, I think eight points clear of the bottom, the bottom four. Um, so you know th- th- things are still positive, and um, and hopefully we can we can get back to winning ways fairly soon. Um, talking of, of winning ways, we need to find out what our final biscuit is to see if Luke's got a chance of winning this week. So I had the Fox's jam and cream. Josh had the McVitie's chocolate digestive. Luke. Last week you had shortbread. What have you opted for this week? I have gone for a chocolate digestive with caramel. 
Ooh. Just so listeners know, we don't tell each other what biscuits we're going for each episode until we reveal them now. So it's just what happens to me and Joshua pick this nearly this identical biscuit, but I've gone for the caramel version. Do you know what? I, I think that gives you the edge. I, I do prefer the caramel to the plain. Mm. I think a nice, rich, buttery biscuit with a layer of chocolate with caramel inside. I think it's a step up. Mm. I'd I'm say the caramel is definitely improvement. But for all those people out there, though, I think they should just vote for the bog standard. Uh, Rich, uh, not rich tea, sorry. Don't vote rich tea because not this week. But... No one did anyway. <laughs> no one did. Um, yeah. Well, no, it'll be an interesting pick, won't it, this week? I think I think that I think last week obviously we we established that the rich tea was fairly bland. Um and but this week I think all three biscuits are are, are good biscuits. <laughs> That wraps up this week's episode. Remember to follow our Instagram and Twitter at biscuits underscore brews and get involved with our questions and polls. Who had the best biscuit this week? Is it Josh with the chocolate digestive? Is it Connor with the jam and cream? Or me with the chocolate and caramel digestive? Be sure to let us know. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and take care. We'll see you next time on the Biscuits and Brews podcast. (laughs) 